Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Tons to talk about in this episode of Flyers Daily, Monday, July 18th, as the draft is in the rearview mirror, free agency is in the rearview mirror. Some are glad, some wish it was just starting, some wish it would start over. But joining us on this episode every Monday as he does from NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com, it's Bill Meltzer. And Bill, um, I, I know the fan base uh, is pretty kind of resolute and together on one thing. They don't like how this all played out. Yeah. You know, I think in terms of expectations, you can go back to January. You know, when when the talk of the uh, aggressive retool, uh, the open checkbook, you know, and those kind of things that took shape. And, the, you know, you, you heard over and over and over and over again, especially with, you know, among the fans, okay, well, it's an, it's an aggressive retool. Right, and there's an open checkbook, and I think about a week before the draft, you know, they had a uh, they had a press conference with uh, with Chuck Fletcher and with Brent Flair, and uh, you know, Chuck said, you know, we're we're actually not in bad shape at all cap wise, and a lot of teams have a lot of cap issues. We could be compliant now without any moves. Um, you know, in yeah, terms they weren't of, upside down like some some teams right, were, right? And, and saying that you know they be a little bit creative, maybe they would make a big splash in free agency. So I think I think expectations were built very, very high. Um, you know, there were national national reports, credible reporters, um, saying that, you know, Johnny Gujo really wants to come back to Philadelphia wants to come back to Philadelphia, wants to wants to come home. And the Flyers are his first choice. And uh free agency comes and you know there's there's not an offer made to Johnny Gujo. And uh the two big signings are, are not big names, you know. So, you know, so I, I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that there was a, an instant reaction about that. You know, I, I think that you now I think the, the reality side of it, you know, you have to go back, you go back a year, right? You go back a year ago, and um, and the Flyers traded a first round pick to uh, you know, to get Rasmus Ristolainen, and also trade a second round pick in that trade. Um, you know, they trade, they, they trade Chen Gosses bear after trying to waive him after trying to offer him around the league, after exposing him to the expansion draft. And then finally he was traded, you know, and the Flyers had to expend second round picks for that. Right. And, you know, and then, you know, a year later, they, they, they make the trade for Anthony D'Angelo and that costs further you know, a fourth, a third and a second round pick. So, you know, I mean, the, the number of assets that were traded and, you know, the, they've re-signed Rasmus Ristolainen, you know, the team, to me, it just, uh, it never, when we discussed this before free agency, you know, I thought, okay, if you're building for a big move, you know, you, you, you go for that big move and try to make it happen. Or if you're looking for cap space and to, to make this a little longer term process, you know, rather than tying yourself in, seven years or possibly even eight years on Johnny Goudreau to me, to me, I never, I never thought, well, I never thought the best long-term move was Goudreau just because he'll be 29 before the start of the season. So, you know, you go seven years in on him, you're getting in his late thirties already. The team was already dealing with cap issues. I just, I just didn't feel that the, it was the right fit at the right time, but you know, but I, but I think the Flyers kind of ended up going a little, little too much, Halfway in between, right? Halfway in between 
where you go and you, you know, you go and you, you get D'Angelo, right? You, you know, you buy out Oscar Limbaugh, which something else that further raised expectations. Okay, a big move is coming. So, I, I mean, I think you completely can completely understand the fan reaction. I, I think that it's, uh, you know, and it, it's and the optics of it too, right? I mean, yeah, you, you right. trade a cancer survivor that's a right. high character, great, ca- great kid. We all love Oscar, and you bring in a guy with character issues. Right. You know, right. so I mean, there's a lot of that, right? Right, and, and I think I think there's also you can second guess on the hockey side <clears> of this too, yeah. right? Where you know, at the point the Flyers extended Oscar Lindblom, which was in July of 2020. So he had just been through the chemo. He had just been through rib removal surgery. And, you know, you, you look last, last summer, Chuck said, and rightfully so, you know, we, we always thought it was going to take at least a year, at least a year for Oscar to get back. Well, it didn't take 12 months. It ended up taking 18 months. But then, then what happened in December to the end of the year was after Mike Yo took over as interim head coach, you look at Lindblom's numbers the rest of that year, basically a little over half of a season, he had 12 goals and 25 points. Because he only had he didn't have a goal and he only had one point, you know, at the point the, the coaching change was made. But for the rest of the year, you know, 12 goals, 25 points is nothing spectacular by any means. But it looked like he was starting to bounce back a little bit. And yeah. especially because especially because he went through a period where he was banged up, right? So it was almost like you got you got all the the downside, you know, of the you paid for all the downside, but none of the, the downside, very little. Right. Yeah. And as he's, as it seems like he's starting, starting to, you know, come out of it and said, play more like himself again. You know, that's when you pull the plug. Um, you know, I know Oscar ever get a hundred percent back. I sure hope for his sake. He does. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But, you know, I think, I think also the fact that, cause you and I had talked about, you know, well, could you maybe do this as a trade rather than as a buyout? I think, the fact that, you know, he was, he was making $3 million on, on the contract that was bought out. One day after the buyout, the very first day he's on the market, he gets two years at $2.5 million. Yeah. Right? That tells and you probably could have been something there. You, there could have been, there, there had to have been something you could have done to move him. Um, now, I understand that the Flyers get a small, you know, a little small salary cap credit this year, about 300000 Flip side of that is, you know, you're going to need six, six, 660000 I believe, in Next dead cap space yeah. a year from now. So, you know, with this being a, a, a stabilizing year, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. I, I would think that it's better to take a little cap hit now if they had to if they had to eat something on the contract and then you don't have any obligation a year from now or you just ride it out. Yeah. You ride it out because a year from now, you would have had a $4 million qualifying offer. And if you could, you know, you go three years out and, and he's still – is fifty percent of where he was, sixty percent of where he was, you know, then then in better conscience, you go, you know, we're not gonna offer him a qualifying offer. And yeah. he becomes unrestricted. So I didn't I didn't like it from that front. Um and you know, not I'm nothing against Nick Delorier. I actually think in and of, in and of himself, no problems with no problem with adding Nick Delorier. Um I do think I do think he fills the role on the team. Um, you know, now I don't like going four years. Yeah, you know, that was, that was my thing. As soon as it happened, I texted you and said, "Why four years on Delaria?" Yeah. And there was a lot of exclamation yeah. points and question marks there. Well, exactly. I mean, I know there was competition. I don't know. I don't know who else was offering four years on him. You know, when you when you look at the uh, when you look at the cap hit, 
1.75. Well, I went in, I went in and I looked at some other players on cap friendly. Well, Ryan Reeves makes 1.75. And um, uh, Matt Martin makes about 1.5. Cal Clutterbuck makes 1.75. So it's right, right in line with those guys. Sim- similar role, similar kind of a player. Fourth line yeah, players. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, and those guys, those guys are, you know, have a, in some cases, uh, like two years remaining on their contract or whatever it was. The thing with Delorier is, of course, he signed this deal at age 31. I, I don't, you know, it's, it's going four years on it to me is the, uh, is the question mark. Um, Chuck said there was, there was, you know, there was an aggressive market for him, but when I got to go four years on a 31 year old fourth liner that I got to walk away. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I I don't think, you know, I don't think that's the guy you go, you know, we have, we have to outbid the market on this player. Um, And and offer some conditions to boot. Now they're they're loose. Two, Two years of a partial no trade as well. Yeah. Um, now I don't know what what anybody else is offering, but the the term is the term and not the the cap hit and not the player is is where you know I have some questions on that. Um, yeah. And and for one year, you know, one year to bring Justin Braun back, third pairing, no issue with that. Totally no fine with that. that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think what the thing that people feel a little bit, Bill, is they feel confused by what did take place and maybe kind of feel like bait and switch, you know. You said aggressive retool, empty checkbook. We know the empty – we should understand all that. The the blank check thing is referring to things that aren't controlled by the salary cap because right. blank check doesn't exist anymore. But I want to yeah. ask you this because, you know, part of – you know, one of the things that Elliot Friedman said in 32 Thoughts, and I posted his audio the other day on my Twitter. I just did a quick stream to post it in the conversation he and Jeff Marrick had regarding the Flyers and Gaudreau. And one of the things he said, I was too chicken to report two things. And one that it was because he was had said he had people telling him that the Flyers were never in on Johnny Gaudreau. They were 40 points out of a playoff spot last year. The uncertainty of Ryan Ellis really created a lot of issues for them. And they had to you know, put some things in place to guard against you. But I've talked about that guard against not getting caught without Ryan Ellis and having no answer for not having Ryan Ellis. Uh, he also mentioned that, you know, Travis Konechny and Proveroff were guys that maybe they thought they would shop, but coming off a down year, their value is not exactly where it should be. And, you know, you hope those guys pop back under a new coach. But he said, I was too chicken to report that the Flyers were not in on Johnny Gaudreau at all because it's the Flyers. And whenever there's big names out there, and this is Gaudreau wants to come back here. It was pretty widely known. And it's the Flyers. And they were 40 points out, but he said he just didn't, he didn't report it. And, you know, he, he had Amal play the, the chicken sound effects in the background. Yeah. How much of this is that we've been conditioned surrounding the Flyers as fans, as media members, as observers, whatever you want to call it, that every time there's a big name out there, a shiny toy, the Flyers are in it because of all those years that they were. And right now, I agree with you. Right now, to me, wasn't the time for Johnny Gaudreau. I got caught up in the passion of it, of going, yeah, I'd love to watch him every night. He's a great player. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was right to do to, to pay what he ultimately got, seven times 9.8, for a 29-year-old winger. You and I are in agreement on that. Yeah. But how much of this do you think even got Elliot a little bit, that this is not what the Flyers usually do? They usually push in a moment like this. Yeah, yeah, and... I mean, there was, there, the wind. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, oh yeah, that, yeah, cer- certainly. And but all the breadcrumbs seem to be surrounding, leading that direction anyway. Yeah, you know, um, you know, and uh, I mean, and, and it wasn't just it wasn't just us, mind you. Flyers players were caught up in it too. Oh yeah, I mean, right? Tony D'Angelo said on this podcast, he and Kevin Hayes were recruited. Right, right. So I mean, it was you know, it wasn't just it wasn't just media or, or fans. You know, I think I think all the signs seem to kind of point in that direction. So I, you know, I, I think that that's really, really where everything ended up going. You know, but uh, you know, I, I think that um, you know when you, I, but all along, all along, and you and I wondered in this podcast, he was like, "Where's the money going to come from? Yeah. Where's the money going to come from?" And you know, the Flyers, you know, and and. You know, they, they are in a position of weakness trading. Yep. And some of it is beyond their control. Some of it is their fault. But when you when you take the combination of, you know, you don't have cap space and you combine your some of your better trading assets coming off of down years, no team is going to do you any favors. So if you try to move those assets, you're not going to get fair value in return. And if you're trying to move salary, they're going to try to extract a ridiculously high price for which is what it became to move James yeah. Van Riemsdyk. Another thing Elliot reported in that audio from 32 thoughts is that the price became for James Van Riemsdyk, the 2023 first round pick. Yeah. And look, there's a tipping point for everything. If you would have said, get said, okay, the Florida 2024 first, even for one year, I could have maybe said, okay, maybe I didn't, I don't want to, but okay. The 2023 first, that's hang up the phone. Don't call me ever again. Yeah, well, exactly. That, that's, no, it's yeah, not that's reasonable. A, that's absolutely a bridge too far. That is that is absolutely just a team trying to, you know, take it. That could be Connor Bedard. That could yeah. that could be the next Connor McDavid. Right. Basically. I mean, there there are, you know, and this is a pretty deep draft too. You know, even even the Flyers were to finish with the worst record in the league, you only have, I think, a 19% chance. Yep. But you finish in the top five, you have five five potential all-star caliber players and two potential franchise players in yeah. this draft. Cornerstone I mean, really, players. Yeah, really, really great draft up top here. And for one year of cap relief on, on James Van Riemsdyk, so, you know, you can re- really tie yourself up cap-wise for seven years, you know. Um, you know, it just it, it made it made no sense. It made no sense. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes – you know, and I don't, and I don't know. I don't know what was, what was thought about, what was discussed. Uh, that wasn't direction. That wasn't direction that Columbus went. But you, but uh, I said to you, you know, you know, there's a way you could do this, that you 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 could work around cap restraints in year one, and then you know, and then plan for another year out. Yeah, um, sign them basically for a one year deal and then extend yeah. them. Yeah, ba- yeah, basically the basically what uh, what Caroline did with Kakaniemi, except yeah. in reverse. Year yeah. one. You know, so you go you go year one and then seven years. So it's still an eight year contract as if you're signing your own player. Yep. Year one, year one, he's taking a discount so to fit it within your cap, and then then the big money kicks in after that. Of course, that'll be thirty in year one of the that contract, and you know, at least yeah. about thirty eight by the time it's done. I mean, it's just there's just you can offer eight years, then it could be nine years total. Right, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> you would exactly. So you know, I mean, I I, I see all the reasons for not doing it. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at the big picture too, you know, uh, there, there's, 
it's essentially the same roster right now, right? That it was at the end of the year with the minor changes of, of which, you know, there are also things that are, like I said, are beyond their control, like the injuries to Farabee, the injury to Brink, you know, fans want something to get excited about. I, I, I get all that. Um, you know, again, when I look at logically, I just, I just didn't see how that was going to all work out. But you said, but I came back to, well, you know, it's the Flyers when they, when they really want something, when they really are focused on making something happen, whether that was, you know, whether that was Peter Forsberg coming in or whether that was Ilya Brzezgalov or whatever, or whatever it was, you know, even, even the cap age, they seem to find ways to make that happen. So I I think, I think Chris Chris Pronger is a great example. And that was a, you know, that was, that was a deal that actually it's not required a little convincing on, you know, um, yeah, so you know, like it was boy, it's an awfully high price for trading, and he's going to be thirty-five years old and whatnot. But I mean, now, but sometimes you just have to go for it. But I just think now was the time to do that. But you know, but I, I, you see, you see the level of response that there's been and how vitriolic it's been, you know, and and uh, you know, I, you can certainly see it. You can understand why. Yeah, I mean, you look at, I mean, just going back to the deadline last year in a lost season to extend Ristolainen and said, maybe you could have got a first round pick for him or certainly a a second. I mean, maybe try and recoup what you gave up. I mean, gave up 14, I think it was essentially for him and a second, at least try and get at at least one back. And they chopped, they opted to extend him. They could have, they could have re-signed him again this off season had they done that, but uh, they went in a different direction. So as you mentioned, Chuck Fletcher is obviously under uh, a lot of heat, a lot of criticism right now. And, you know, that, that comes with the territory uh, based on how this season goes and, and where they end up will be a big part of this. But, Bill, you know, the other part of it is he used a word in his uh, free agent, post-free agency availability that I think maybe should have been the word all along, and that is stabilization. Right. And as soon as I heard the word, I'm like, I wrote it down, like stabilization. I'm circling it on my pad of paper as I'm hearing him say it. And I'm going, you know, that's the word they need to stabilize. They do. He made some good points when he brought up that he talked about a that they need to know what some of these young guys, including Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost, are as NHL players. You got to find that out. They're going to get the opportunity to play and find that out this year. You got to see how TK and Provorov, how they rebound, where they are right now as NHL players. And I know they Fridge also mentioned they want to see Provorov under a different coach and maybe with a consistent partner. Maybe that's uh, going to be Tony D'Angelo. Maybe that's actually going to end up being Ryan Ellis. We don't know. But the other element he mentioned, too, in his stabilization theory is this notion that, you know, people assuming the cap space, the 5.75 of Ryan Ellis is just right there for you. You don't know that yet because what if he passes a physical, you know, and he can play? It's not getting LTIR. And you can't just say, well, we didn't know in July, so we made moves, and now you're okay, but we have to LTIR you and you have to sit. I know Joffrey Lupul had that happen to him, something that he alleged happened in Toronto with Lou Lamorello, and there was, I think there was a whole grievance filed and everything. So stabilization, maybe that's the word we've been looking for all along. Yeah, and I think if that had been the message all along, had, had been phrased that way, mm-hmm. you know, then, then I, then I think it would be look a little different right now. You yeah. know, um, the other thing that wasn't included on that cap real quick, Bill was yeah. also the, the money of the nine RFAs that 
that they did qualify. Yeah. So there was this, well, they have this money, this money, and this money. Go 10% over. Well, you can't do that because you don't know if he's going on LTIR. You don't know all these guys are going to sign these qualifying offers. Who's going to arbitration with those numbers? You have to have a buffer. Yeah. And there are quite a few, quite a few restricted free agents. Yeah. You know, Morgan, yeah. Morgan Frost, who didn't have any, you know, didn't have arbitration rights and he didn't have uh, the ability to sign a qualifying or sign an offer sheet anywhere else. Yes. Yeah, so he had no leverage. And also knowing that he hasn't had his breakthrough yet, you know, 12 games at the end of a season is not a breakthrough make, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, he has to show that over a longer period of time. So he signed a prove-it contract for 800000 Um, You know, but they they have to, you know, they have to re-sign Tippett. And uh, they have to re-sign uh, Lezinski. They have to re-sign Wade Allison. They have to re-sign, um, let's see Zach who else. McEwen. Zach McEwen, who's filed for arbitration. Yeah, although, although I, I seriously doubt that'll ever get to an arbitrator. That's just, uh, you know, that's just a player and his agent trying to get any kind of leverage they can. But I'm sure that'll, especially, you know, especially uh, with Delorier on the team now, they 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 know they don't have a ton of leverage there. So I, I don't think that will ever. Can they walk away from him? Can they can they rescind the qualifying offer? Um, no. But what they could do is if he gets an award that they they're not willing to pay, they could walk away then. Okay. Yeah. Once once you present the qualifying offer, you can't pull it back. Um, okay. So basically, both sides will present their figures, what they think is fair. It'll be a one-year or two-year award, and you know the Flyers don't think that's reasonable. Whatever's decided, if it actually gets all the way to a decision, they could walk away, and he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Okay. But uh, I don't. I said I don't. I don't foresee like uh, even getting to that point. I think I think that'll settle before it ever before it ever gets to the arbitrator. Um, Jackson Cates still has to be signed too. I mean, the big the big ones really. You know, or Allison, Lazinski, and Tippett, and we're and Ratcliffe too. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, and then I said I think the other one. Over. But anyway, these are all guys who, you know, have a shot at the roster next year. These are, you know, none of these guys have waiver exemptions anymore, so they'd have to pass through waivers if they, if they don't make the team. So they're they're going to get every they're going to every chance to, particularly in this, you know, stabilizing year where you want to see, you know, some these guys showed some you know, show some hints of promise. Um, and every single one of them has had injury issues. That's, yeah. been, the, that's been the biggest issue with, with most of these guys who might've been in the NHL already, you know, uh, they lost at least a year in some cases, Wade Allison, you know, Wade Allison's never unfortunately been healthy in a number of years now. So, you know, so you, but you want to know what you have in these guys before you just lose them. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so there's going to be a little bit of mutual risk involved, but, you know they're not going to they're not going to get every one of these guys for the eight hundred they're going to cross for and and Tippett might actually you know, Tippett might actually get a million something yeah. like that yeah. um, and you know I mean this this uh, this was almost flown under the radar because of all the other stuff that's gone on you know the Flyers had no money for a backup goalie so yeah, Troy and Grosnick, Troy Grosnick Troy Grosnick and and um, Felix Sandstrom are going to compete for the number two job. I mean, I, I, I'd be lying if I said, no, that, you know, <laughs> I feel comfortable with that. I, I really don't. I really don't yeah, feel comfortable. I don't either. I mean, Grosinick is, you know, he's, he's been a guy who's won the, uh, uh, the Baz Bestine award in the AHL. He's had the best save percentage goals against, you know what? I mean, AHL success is one thing. NHL success is another. Look at Michael Layton. Right? Yeah, he's 33 Michael, years old. He's played yeah. four NHL games. There's a reason. There's, there's a reason. Yeah, there's a reason. And, 
you know, and, and Sandstrom shows promise, but he's been pretty inconsistent so far. And you're you're an injury away. You're an injury away from that being your goaltending fan. That's yeah. uh yeah. So uh, that that uh you know the Flyers just had the Flyers had nothing left over for a goalie because they had figured they figured they were gonna have uh, Fedotov and they had to you know they had to make make a make a quick plan B. And especially with the money that, that goalies were getting on the market, they just they couldn't do it. They couldn't yeah, do it. So, so much had... of a market for him. Fourteen teams yeah. looking for a goalie. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And you look at uh, you know some of these goalies are moved for. You know ugh, that's uh, you know it's, uh, it's tough. They they that you know when when they lost Benetov, they that was really really threw them for a loop, and there wasn't really anything else they could do except go get a minor league veteran and hope for the best. You know. Yeah. And. And the thing is, I mean, that's something that I can't put blame onto them for because the the Fedotov thing, how it happened, and what has happened is just, it's crazy. But um, you know, it, it's Sandstrom and and Troy Grosnick. I mean, Grosnick's not thirty three yet; he'll be thirty three uh, coming up at the end of August, I believe, on the twenty seventh. I want to say, but yeah, four NHL games. It's not. That's certainly a tough situation. I mean, you don't want to. You're in a situation too. What fourteen back to backs with the schedule? Yep. Yep. And so that's an automatic 14 times for the most part that you're going to want to play your, your backup goaltender and not Carter Hart. And yeah, or, or you know, four and six days. Four, and four, yeah, like four, the four and six, those, yeah, those three and four, Five four and seven. And six. Yeah, you can get them all. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, the Flyers have a, a, a rough schedule. Everybody has their, everybody has, everybody has their moments. The Flyers have a particularly kind of tough schedule at times this year. Um, yeah, you know, and we'll do a we'll do a schedule one, I guess, as we get a little closer to the season. Yeah. But I mean, it's uh, you know, the the work's cut out for them. I don't think there's any two ways about that. So all said and done, Bill. Last thing for you, with you know some of the the moves that in an asset allocation and use of assets, whether it's draft picks or whatever it might be, all said and done, you know, you and I were both two guys that weren't for pushing all in for Johnny Gaudreau at this time. If you take away the optics of everything and some of the asset allocation things, and you can't take those away, but I'm just asking you to do this hypothetically. Yeah. Can, is it all's well that ends well, that this is kind of where we wanted them to be? They've gotten some insurance for Ryan Ellis. It may not be the best insurance. You didn't get like Progressive or State Farm. You got like Acme, you know, with – a guy like Tony D'Angelo, who's probably not a top pairing defender on this team, but he's yeah. going to have to be. Uh, you do have some defensive depth with Justin Braun added now, and now Cam York can play alongside a veteran on a third pair. Uh, you did help your power play with Tony D'Angelo. Uh, maybe you did help your penalty killing a little bit with obviously the return, return of Sean Couturier to healthy Cam Atkinson and Nick Delarier as a fourth liner can actually kill penalties. All that is it? Do you look at it? I'm not saying the team is poised for a playoff berth or anything, but does this now kind of present that two year pivot a lot better than than had they pushed all in for Goudreau now? Yeah, because a because the cap should go up in a year. Yep, and, and you know you'll have you know you're not looking to you're not looking to quick cap relief. You know, on a guy like JVR, he's on you know, he's on an expiring deal. That's that's why I was all in on going short term on players. Yeah. You know, um, you'll have a better sense a year from now. You know, hopefully, you know, hopefully you do get a breakthrough from some of the young guys. 
realistic to expect everybody? No. <laughs> no, probably, that's unlikely that everybody's going to break through or, or bounce back. But but some of the guys, yeah. And then you know, then maybe you do feel better about um, you know where the team is depth-wise. And hopefully Couturier has a healthy year. And hopefully you know uh, Kevin Hayes has a healthy year. And then, you know, and then, you know, it, 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 see, it feels so long ago now, and it really is. But going into last year, there, were, there was quite a bit of optimism. And even even from some outside pundits, to like, this should be a better team. You know, I think part of it is that you look at the Flyers against the division and the conference. And, uh, you know, you have teams in the division and conference that are better on paper than they, they were at the end of the year. You look at the 40-point gap, even the Flyers can make up Half of it, that would be a nice year's work. Is that enough to get you into a playoff in a year? Probably not, but I but I think that not, not probably it, it won't be. But, you know, uh, but but barring barring anything like that, I do think it sets you up better a year from now to know more of who you can rely on, you know, more of um, more of who's going to be part of, hopefully part of the, the longer-term solution and have some more money to work with. So... Yeah. It's uh, you know sometimes you sometimes you you don't take a step you know I don't know if it's a step back or a step forward or what it is or a baby step forward, but sometimes over the long term sometimes what you don't do, you know can can benefit you and what you what you can do in the longer term. So it's not uh, you know it's not all doom and gloom by any means, and I don't think you write off a season until you see how the season is going because yeah. you have an all new coaching staff. You know, see, you know, see how they play for those guys. And that, that can help, too. But, you know, is this a contender this coming season? I, that, that's pretty far fetched. But, you know, can they can they write write the ship and be better another year out? You know, yeah, I, I think I think that certainly is within reason and, and doable. But, uh, you know, but there's a lot of unknowns between now and then. And, and uh, you know, it's not uh, you know, it's, it's not a comforting feeling when you have so many unknowns. But it's. Uh, you know, but I think things could be, you know, better than people say long term. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the the one thing I tweeted this out, I said, uh, sometimes the deal you don't make is the best deal you could did make. You could have made <laughs> by not making a deal. Yeah. Sometimes like you get caught up in the passion of it and the competition element of trying to win a player and trying to make those big jumps. But sometimes, you know, not making that deal. Like, think about it. There's, there's deals that the Flyers have made. You go, man, I really wish they wouldn't have made that deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you you swung for the fences. Yeah. And you well, ended up on the wrong yeah. side of it. Yeah. Like Brisgalov being the ultimate example, Huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that that was something where, you know, Paul Holmgren and uh, Jeff Reese was the goalie coach at the time. And they said, you know, Bob will be fine. <laughs> Bob yeah. will be fine. But, they but do the you know, work but, habits of him. Yeah. But, but, you know, but uh, Brisgall was a year removed from being a Vezina finalist. He had a Stanley Cup ring. I was like, you know what? We're going to take the swing for the fences now. And sometimes sometimes that works beautifully. And, you know, that's the move that puts you over the top. And sometimes it really blows up in your face. Yeah. And, and Bob said, well, if you got him signed here for that long in this term, I need to be traded because I don't have a crease. And there's only one crease for goalies. And obviously we know he went on the Columbus, win multiple Vezinas and, Uh, The rest is history, as they say. Uh, Great stuff, as always, Bill. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back Wednesday. Another brand new one for you. We'll feature my conversation with Sam Moran. Very interesting conversation with Big Sammy as he was helping out coaching uh, for the prospects at uh, development camp. Uh, For Bill Meltzer, thanks for listening. Uh, 
Check them out on NHL.com, HockeyBuzz.com, and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Like I said, we'll be back Wednesday with another brand new edition of Flyers Daily. Have a great day, everybody. Well,